This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicking Back is back. And now I'm singing. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, and this is another episode of the Kickin' Back podcast where we speak with women's soccer players, coaches, personalities from across the globe. And this week I'm joined by Esmeralda Negron. She is the co-founder of Atalanta Media, who you might also know as Atta Football. She co-founded that this year with Hannah Brown, who's a longtime TV executive. And if you don't know Atalanta Media and Atta Football, they are a company who is bringing you women's soccer on television even if you don't realize it they bought rights globally and have brought them to different countries including the u.s and now we have things such as the women's super league in england on our tvs in the u.s on nbcsn on cable for the first time so really cool stuff to to be able to do that on a weekend and esmeralda and i talk in this podcast about that process starting the company a little bit of interesting sort of startup and and tech insight into there in addition to the soccer end of things and then some of her personal journey which is includes playing in college playing for youth national teams for the u.s and shifting into the business world so fun chat here uh, with esmeralda equalizer soccer Uh, we work with atta football on some different projects so encourage you to check those out and we talk about them a little bit in this pod so if you haven't subscribed already we've had some great recent guests flaco nanowski christy muis vero bocchette heather o'reilly plenty of plenty of episodes to go through from season one so far so please go ahead and subscribe rate and review that helps us uh, be discovered by others so they can find this podcast just like you so with that let's get on with the chat Here's Esmeralda. Maybe we'll have you. We should, we should have you introduce yourself. We did that with with Heather O'Reilly the other week. I thought it was it was fun. So, Esmeralda Negron, uh, how would you introduce yourself here? Obviously, a lot a lot of exciting opportunities going on. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the moment, uh, I'm co-founder of Asanza Media and general manager of the business. But I've worn so many hats. I think in women's football, I was a player, collegiate player. Um, was with the U.S. Women's National Team, U21 pool for a few years. Um, where else? I played professionally in Europe, was a collegiate coach for eight years, and then um, kind of transitioned into the business side of women's football on the, on the professional club side with Relevant Sports Group. And now I've kind of launched this this business, Aslanza. So I feel like I've worn like so many different hats in this space, but I think it's definitely benefited you know, me and our team in terms of launching this business and being able to have seen that kind of the evolution of the women's game and kind of witnessed and experienced it through, you know, multiple lenses, um, different ones. So I think that's been, been incredibly beneficial to us as a, as a company. That is cool. I didn't realize eight years coaching. That's, that's, that is diverse coaching, playing. Time, I forgot. I kind of feel like that was another lifetime ago. It feels like I've lived like so many different lives, um, all within women's football, which is exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, so Atalanta Media, Atta Football. Um, if, if folks are listening, AttaFootball.com is is a place where you can 
dive deep into exactly what that is. And, and the short of it, um, you know, maybe some of you listening, I'm sure have heard as, as sort of women's soccer aficionados. And, and I think a lot of you listening probably haven't even realized maybe that um, the reason you have maybe watched a English England Women's Super League game, uh, FA Women's Super League game on NBCSN in the US or on NBCSports.com or maybe stumbled upon it online on Atta Football and, you know, haven't, haven't realized it is um, the company that, that you co-founded, Esmeralda, is, um, you know, the concept is uh, at the base of it that women's soccer properties are undervalued and, and that extends to the broadcast realm of things and the access. And uh, you all essentially went out and purchased rights to some global leagues and then facilitated deals to get those in front of people, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, um, I think my work, um, you know, just throughout my career, my journey as a player, as a coach, as um, kind of a professional working and directing the women's ICC. And now with Atsanta, you you realize all the potential that the women's kind of women's football has, but you know, you, you start to realize where it's falling short, the challenges um, that it's up against and why it's probably lagging and um, kind of its growth potential hasn't quite been realized yet. Um, I think, you know, in order to such a big part of investment in any sort of sports ecosystem is um, the media value, right? You think about kind of like how much that drives, um, you know, investment back into leagues, to the clubs, to the players, um, you know, and it's huge. And I think on the women's football side, it's been... um, you know, it hasn't quite been there from a, a kind of premium and regular weekly access and, and in terms of normalizing it so that it sits alongside kind of their male counterparts and on the same type of channels and gets the same type of coverage and support. Um, and so we recognize that, you know, this was a big challenge in the women's game. Um, and in order for the leagues to continue to thrive and the clubs and the players to get more pay, um, you know, we had to start, what could we do to support kind of increasing that media value? And, um, we decided (laughs) yeah, we would come in and kind of invest in these rights, um, to push this along, to give kind of leagues some, some investment back. Um, but then also kind of partner with our premium distribution partners in various territories where we've kind of licensed these rights, um, to ensure that it gets the visibility it needs in order for that value to increase. Um, and so, you know, that was such a big core and accessibility and visibility for the women's game and for these athletes and clubs and leagues was so at the core of why we wanted to launch Atlanta. Um, you know, there's two different kind of prongs to the business or, you know, it's a two pronged approach. So one is kind of elevating the visibility, elevating the stars of the game, the best clubs, um, ensuring that all of you fans have access because that was a big thing that was lacking. Um, and then also on the, on the kind of on the back of that, we are building kind of this digital hub and community platform for women's football fans around the world and also young girls of the game. I think young girls haven't necessarily had access to the game to base, to cultivate role models, um, you know, to start to engage with the game in a way that they haven't before, you know, obviously the world cups and the Olympics, you know, come and go. And those are the, the key moments for young girls to really get around it. But aside from that, they've never really had access, um, to really see, these players and now with investment from some of the biggest clubs in the world on the women's side, there's so much opportunity for young girls if they aspire to play at the next level or just to be a fan. Um, so we're building this hub where we can kind of house all of our match licensed matches. So players and fans can watch the matches live or on demand, depending on the territory. 
Uh, we've set up some phenomenal partnerships with the likes of the Equalizer um, and really feel it's important to partner with those that are also investing in, in the women's game and have been for a long time. And we believe that supporting each other, I think we can kind of achieve so much more together. Um, so we're partnering to kind of bring some really great content onto the platform with our partners uh, like the Equalizer, also working with Just Women's Sport and Vision of a Champion, um, Anson Doran's podcast as well. Um, and we're so thrilled to be able to kind of create this and build this. And, you know, the reception so far has been, has been phenomenal. So we're, we're really excited. Yeah. Early shout out to what we're doing there. I did not tell <laughs> Esmeralda to do that, but uh, appreciate I too, that. Jeff. Um, yeah. If you're looking, you know, for, we, we've been doing the scoop and I know we've been, you know, talking about different things and, and just kind of trying to similarly um, same mission of, of kind of elevating the the game and, and coverage of the game and um, trying to do that in different ways. And obviously, you know, you all have, have TV rights to that. And, and I think that's an important part because the visibility, as you said, you know, it's only a few weeks ago that we had a weekend where the Manchester Derby was on NBCSN on a Saturday and the following yeah. day, Arsenal Chelsea was it on, on a Sunday on, on NBCSN. And um, that's the kind of, you know, weekend where, you know, you would on the men's side, you'd be hyping that for a month to come, right? Like that's, that's the weekend yeah. circle your calendars. And in the past, I mean, only recently did the FA player become a thing that, you know, in, in the past year or two that it could be watched for free. It wasn't necessarily easy to find if you weren't already looking for it. But, um, you know, even, even recently, I mean, Champions League, I mean, every year, I know this is potentially changing in the near future, but yeah. every year it would be the week of the Champions League final. And I would sit there and say, and I would even email companies that had rights in the past that say, are you airing it? Because there's no news and it would default to the free YouTube because nobody picked it up in, in the U.S. So um, it's, yeah, it's I, a big deal. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. We have invested in rights for the FAWSL, um, the English, the top English uh, league, as well as uh, D1F, um, which is the top French league, and also now have um, global clip rights for Bundesliga. So they're also a league partner of ours. Um, and we are facilitating premium distribution for all three leagues, and we're so excited. So, you know, now you can access uh, the likes of Olympic Lyonnais and PSG on ESPN Plus if you have an account, or you can go on autofootball.com and watch it delayed live or on demand, however you'd like to kind of ingest that. Um, you know, for us, we're so proud to be able to do that because like you said, Jeff, I think working with the women's ICC and working with, you know, some of the best clubs in the world and bringing the best of the NWSL against the best of Europe was incredibly exciting. And I, you know, I cultivated relationships with the club and started to like, you know, be fans of certain players. And I think it was them that I really started to realize the challenge and even if you wanted to cover the game, you couldn't find clips, you couldn't find where to watch information, you couldn't find results, nothing. And I, I grew frustrated because I'm like, I want to watch Lyon. I want to watch Lyon in Champions League. I want to watch their match against PSG, which is getting a record crowd. I want to watch Barcelona versus Atletico at the Wanda in front of 60,000 people. And I could not find that anywhere. And I think, um, you know, that was, that was really the, the inspiration behind, you know, launching this business to really solve a problem that we saw. Um, 
you know, a frustrating one for a football fan, uh, especially women's football. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're really excited. So fans out there now, you can have access um, to some of the best European leagues in the world. Um, we will continue to, to kind of facilitate more and more accessibility um, as time goes on. But like you said, I mean, I think it makes it a little bit easier for the likes of yourselves, like the Equalizer and other outlets to just be able to easily cover it um, and at least kind of find these highlights and be able to kind of share them on social and start to really promote and get the women's leagues and clubs and players the, 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 the visibility they deserve to have and the visibility they need in order for kind of the value of their, their clubs and leagues to kind of increase. And, and that trickles down to them as players, right? Yeah, and I know you've talked a little bit about this in, in other places that you were surprised, not surprised, but maybe happy with the reception that you got when you brought these ideas to places like NBC. And, um, you know, I'm a little under five years removed from from working there and, and great folks. We did a lot of, I mean, they're still doing great work with Premier League, but thinking back, I mean, we did a fair amount of women's soccer stuff there that just when, when I pushed it, at least digitally, not, not TV so much, but um, the idea that, you know, WSL would be live on NBCSN on a semi-regular basis. Um, I'm just thinking back to then feels like that, that <laughs> didn't seem too imminent. Um, so yeah. I'm just curious what, you know, what's the, whatever you can share about, you know, the path from roughly a year ago, I guess, is, is when you started really, you and, and co-founder Hannah Brown started really talking about this and, and in depth and, and diving into it. Yeah. What kind of reception, you know, but reception, but also like give people some insight on the, the sort of uh, journey to September when it's go time that you know, you've got these rights and these seasons are starting amid a pandemic, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone was always like, wow, in a pandemic, you guys launched this. Um, and it actually evolved quite quickly when you think about it. Um, Hannah and I met Relevant Sports Group and we uh, became really great friends. She actually ended up leaving to go on to, to work at Fubo TV. Um, but she is a phenomenal person, one of my best friends in the world, and has extensive media business. She worked at um, Sky Sports for 10 years. Um, and so we kind of like, we were actually roommates in Manhattan, and I was like always going on about my women's football stuff, and I was angry I couldn't access it. And I was like, Hannah, why can't I see this? We need to change this. And um I kept kind of going on, and I think she probably got sick of hearing <laughs> it from me. So she was kind of like, um, so we, you know, she put her, her head together. I kind of like, you know, identified the challenges, what needed to change. And I remember we started to kind of de develop and iterate different ideas, business ideas in terms of how we could support the women's game and build a business ourselves and launch one. Um, and I still remember, I think I've told only a couple of people, I remember the day, I can't remember the date, but it was in November of 2019, about a year ago. And she pops out of her bedroom and she's like, I've got it. I know what we're doing. And I remember it like so clearly because, um, you know, she, she was like, I believe in the power of aggregation. I think if we come in and invest um, and we kind of retain the um, kind of the right to integrate sponsors and sell that inventory, we can monetize it this way and this way. Um, but we can also solve a lot of problems in, in, in the meantime. Um, and so anyway, so we kind of like started to iterate the idea, pitched it to Pitch International, who was re representing the um, FAWSL International Media Rights. 
um, we knew we had some people that we knew there. So um, kind of an easy conversation. We said, look, if we if we get some phenomenal broadcast distribution for the FAWSL in the U.S. and a couple of other markets, would you trust us? We don't have a business yet, um, but but we we have a vision, um, and they were so supportive. And I think. Um, uh, you know, they were so supportive of our vision and what we were trying to do. They're like, yeah, just keep us posted. And, and we had a, we actually had a meeting in January with um, um, John Miller at NBC and Wendy Bass as well. And we kind of pitched them the idea. We had no idea what they were going to say to us. They could have been like, you guys are crazy or I don't know. Uh, we didn't know what the reception was going to be, but um, they were so amazing, so supportive, like loved our vision, wanted to support us in any sort of way. And I think that's a testament to kind of the potential that people see in the women's game. Um, soccer is, you know, the, or football is like the world sport and, and the growth on the, in the world cups and, and now the investment from the leagues, you know, in some of these big European leagues and, and the NWSL and, and its longevity and sustainability now. Um, you know, I think everybody recognizes it, but how do you actually solve that problem? I think was very difficult for people to get their heads around. Like how, you can complain all you want, right? But what, what what are you doing to actually change that? You know, you know, we just kind of we like zoned in on this one basic problem, which is visibility and accessibility, and how we can actually uh, change that narrative and kind of put this forward and hopefully drive the media value so that, you know, that trickles back down to the leagues in the next cycle and, and, and whatnot. Um, so lo and behold, we had great, you know, support from NBC and that kind of propelled us to put kind of this business uh, pitch together, started to look for investors, spoke to other leagues like D1F, um, spoke to ESPN who were also equally as supportive. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, it's interesting because it almost was like, it was almost like meant to have been launched or meant to be because we, we didn't face a lot of challenges. We actually saw so much support from everybody around us. Um, I'm not going to say it was easy to get all of these rights deals done and all the different broadcasters in different territories in Europe and all the different kind of like standard production standards for one versus the other and all kinds of different things that we had to get there. It was a lot. Um, you know, but we launched the business. We got like, <laughs> we got our like investment done like the week before, launched the business, launched our website, had to decide on a logo like three days before. Um, all this was rushed and, and that was all kind of came in that first week of September. Uh, so that was like a crazy, crazy time. The month of September was a whirlwind for us. Um, you know, but it's settled down and, and we're so excited and the overall kind of support from everybody, whether it's broadcast partners, the leagues, the agencies that re represent them has been nothing but positive. So, um, you know, it's exciting. We also like in our first week that we launched, um, D1F, we, we had it live. We took the Leon match and, um, I talked about this, um, I think last week, um, and sports pro, but I remember like Hannah and I were watching <laughs> the live stream and like the, the camera zoomed in on the, like the fan section. And there, there were these amazing signs, like, thank you, lots of football. Welcome to, you know, our family, like all these things. And we were like, oh my God, like these people are in France, you know, they're like Leon supporters, but I think for them to recognize, you you know, you kind of realize, oh, you know, we are making a difference. Um, they're excited. Um, you know, they're, they acknowledge the support and, and our kind of um, will and kind of drive and passion to really elevate visibility around the women's game as a whole. I haven't actually asked you what the name and logo Genesis is. 
What's that Honestly, from? <laughs> well, our company, um, yeah, it's not all people have asked this, actually. I think you're probably the only one. Um, so um, we were thinking about what is our name for our company. Um, Hannah and I are both big Nike fans. Um, and so we started to look at, I think she started to look at like some Greek goddess names. And Atalanta is a Greek goddess who's known for her hunting skills and her athletic ability, which is kind of on par with men's athletic ability. Um, so she, we kind of like, you know, Hannah came in and she's like, we're doing Atalanta. And I'm like, okay, but are people going to get confused between Atalanta and Atlanta? Like, <laughs> you know, everybody does. And then you've got the, the, the football club as well. Yeah. Um, but we went with it. Um, and then I think when we were launching, we recognized that for our platform, like our business name is Atalanta Media or media company, but our consumer facing brand couldn't be Atlanta media. That was like, that was a mouthful. Um, and also not really appropriate. So we just literally, we didn't know what else to do. Um, we tried to just do Atta. Um, but then we felt, but then we had to add the football in for, because of uh, some domain issues. So we, that was it literally in the week before we had to figure out a logo. Um, and we worked with our design team. We'd had a graphic designer that had kind of helped us and did this kind of initial shape and we just kind of like rejigged the shape a little bit um and that was really it so Atta is just short for Atalanta um and that was the inspiration for you know using Atalanta kind of what that name signifies and and what that goddess stands for nice and briefly on the you know the the part you mentioned of the investment I think you know I'm not in the the VC space so to speak but have certainly you know, been in and around some some conversations or frustrations of how do you get investment in women's sports, women's soccer on the media side of that. Uh, you know, I've certainly sort of seen some of the uh, the battles there personally. Um, you know, what what was that like to go? You know, maybe for anybody listening that's kind of the in that space or in that sort of tech minded and, and startup minded. Yeah. You know, what was that like to go to somebody and say, "Here's our idea." You know, people are on board, but nothing really exists at the moment and we want you to invest here and we're going to try to go re flip it somewhere else. Right. Uh, yeah, that it's funny because we didn't go through a lengthy process when it comes to that. We, um, I think because of, uh, I think the good thing about Hannah and myself, Hannah has such a great network on the media side, um, has worked for some phenomenal, you know, networks and companies, um, has been a C-level executive. So has a great reputation, um, experience and network. And likewise, I do all kind of around the women's football space. Um, and also through my work with Relevance, you know, with the big clubs in Europe and such. Um, so I think, you know, we had somebody, actually um, a friend of ours connect us to 777 Partners who are based in Miami um, and just said, look, I, I know you guys are trying to pitch this around. We had spoken to a few people that were interested, but nothing concrete. Um, and had, had to go down to Miami for a conference and actually simultaneously met with them while she was there. Um, and they happened, it, it was pretty like fortuitous for us because they happened to have want be interested in kind of building out their sport and entertainment vertical. It's a very big, they have a very robust, um, kind of portfolio and various different kind of business verticals, um, but are invested in, you know, 
uh, Fanatis, which is an OTT platform for um, the best of, of soccer um, in, in the U available in the US and worldwide. Um, and so within that platform, it just so happened that a lot of their fans were actually just recently done a survey, had been asking for women's football content. Um, and so when we came in with our women's football idea, I think it just kind of like piqued their interest, sparked their interest. Um, and then from there, I mean, they were, they were interested. We ran through our business model, the different things we wanted to build out, the opportunity, the investment, all that stuff. And so it was kind of like a really great fit from the start. And fortunately for us, we didn't, we were able to launch a business so quickly because we found the right fit for us very quickly um, and didn't have to shop it around and kind of chat and present it to so, you know, various different groups. Um, so we feel really lucky. And within the, the kind of the, the portfolio of companies, uh, that we're a part of, you know, there are so many great um, services that we're actually able to um, to really capitalize on. So, you know, our platform, our digital platform and app were just launched and we were able to launch all of these things very quickly because of Nunchi, uh, which is within the portfolio companies at 777. So we have, um, you know, within our partnership with them, it's so great because we have access to shared services within the, the company itself, but then also the whole slew of other um, portfolio of companies, you know, companies within their portfolio that are around soccer. Um, so it's, it's been, it was a great fit. It was phenomenal. We have great support from them. They loved our vision. Um, they understood it when I think a lot of people <laughs> maybe didn't understand it. Um, so I, I have to say we got super lucky. I don't want to uh, make it seem like it's probably the easiest thing for people to get, you know, funding. But I think we are lucky to have been connected with the right group that was interested in something and investing on the women's side. I will attest to it not being the easiest thing to get <laughs> funding. Um, the, well, let's, let's talk a little um, bigger picture. I mean, you know, again, for folks listening, com. You know, you can go there, um, you know, if you're watching on an NBC or, or globally somewhere else, DAZN, um, ESPN Plus in the U.S. for, for D1F, um, you know, you're, you're kind of experiencing this already without maybe realizing it, but ottofootball.com, you can get everything on demand, highlights, full match replays. Um, and, and you mentioned, Esmeralda, building out the app and the community. I'm wondering, big picture here of, you know, disintegrates into your business, obviously, but even maybe beyond that, as you're looking at the, the ecosystem, what's, what's the goal? What do you see as, you know, what the media space of women's soccer looks like two, five, you know, however many years down the line? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know where we're going to, where we'll kind of fit into this place. I know for us, like, you know, our bigger picture is creating this community platform for fans and also young girls around the world so that they feel like if they play the game, they want to, they want to be a part of Atsa football in the community and the um, kind of the offerings and the value that they derive from being a part of that community. Um, so for us, that's like, you know, that's, that's our bigger picture, but um, you know, that's not to say that we're involved in, in these media rights deals going forward. I think only time will tell. Our hope is that, um, you know, that women's football continues to grow and it becomes more accessible and broadcasters, or even if we have to come in and facilitate some of these deals, if we're, we're able to do that, have the resources to do that, um, you know, that it becomes accessible to everybody, that it's alongside kind of any sort of male sport, um, that it gets the visibility, that not only is it out there, but it also gets the marketing coverage um, 
you know, from, from that broadcast partner and everybody kind of, anyone that's kind of writing about sports, I think that's always lagged uh, behind for women for whatever reason. Um, you know, you kind of get it. There's more visibility. There's more access. Wherever you turn, there's something kind of on the men's side of things. Um, it hasn't been that way for women, but I think now with what we're trying to do, and we hope that that kind of uh, pushes others to invest or to see the opportunity. Maybe we don't have to come in uh, and facil facilitate these deals in multiple territories. But you know, our goal is that you know broadcasters come in, um, they may, they they support this in the way in in a very holistic way in the way they kind of would in any sort of other premium sport. And um, you know, that's our hope for for the women's game. And and you know, that type of kind of elevation and visibility and access, you know, you start to build an audience and fans and fans fuel the whole sport ecosystem, right? They, they drive all the value. And when you think about it really simplistically, it's like, how do you build fandom? How do you build an audience? You can, if it's not accessible, no one can ever watch it. No one knows how to find it. Um, nobody knows who, who the, the players are in the best team in the world. Like to me, that's a problem. Um, so, you know, our hope is that this becomes, you know, you know, we, we, I guess, inspire others to take the chance um, to invest in it, to support it, um, and to kind of like cultivate that fandom for women's football. Yeah, and I think it's been an important year or two that we've seen, obviously, Atlanta, Atta Football being part of that. But, um, you know, NWSL on CBS this year, despite the year that it it was and is still, unfortunately, um, is, you know, di did very well on TV ratings. And I think, you know, everybody was seemingly quite happy there, obviously coming off of the World Cup where, you know, there was a lot of success in terms of viewership. And, and I think most every metric really um, sponsorship as well on the NWSL side. So it, it does seem that there is a little bit of a, a shift there, which is is good. And I'm sure, you know, in the maybe in some broad term everything affects each other and, and that's, that's good for, you know, the international side as well. So um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, how your, your background got, got you to here maybe, and um, you know, a little bit maybe of, of uh, you know, some fun stuff maybe of, of not all, not all business, I guess, but you know, the, the women's game in general. I mean, the, I'm curious, you know, to reiterate to folks, you know, you played at a very high level. You played at Princeton, you mentioned U21, women's national team. Um, I'm curious, how, how does that shape what, if at all, what you're doing today? Because I think that there's a little bit of a cliche that, you know, athletes, you know, especially at maybe a college level, you learn things that you take into business life. And I definitely, you know, playing um, at, at D3 level and, and seeing some of the just like adversity of like, Hey, you're you're a starter one day or year, and then you're you're a nobody the next. Of yeah. like, how do you apply that to your own mindset of working with a team and and all of these things? And I, I actually still, you know, uh, over a decade later, I'm you know applying. I feel myself kind of applying that sort of thing to business and life. I mean, is that something that you feel like the playing career, maybe in the coaching career, shaped you in this this realm? Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, I think. I think it just, the, my playing career, um, you know, to me fell short of what I think uh, it had the potential to kind of be. Um, you know, for me, I wanted to be on the full U.S. Women's National Team only because that was the only way to kind of be a professional player at the time. 
um, when I graduated college, um, you know, I grew up playing the game and I was an addict, so to speak. I was so passionate. It was all I wanted to do. Um, you know, and, and that, you know, and, and, and beyond college, that was what I was focused on. But when I graduated college, I was kind of at the peak of my game. Our team had just gone to the final four. Um, I was in with the U21 national team. Um, I was excited, but when I graduated, Woos had folded, had just folded. So there was no league here for me to continue to develop. And then kind of went abroad and was one of the first U.S. players to kind of play, quote unquote, professionally abroad. Um, and it wasn't really a professional environment per se. I was only, I was the only paid player, which made for a very like kind of uncomfortable dynamic amongst my teammates, I think. Um, and, you know, we only trained twice a week. It wasn't like, it wasn't this like professional environment that I was looking for to kind of get me to that next level. Um, and so I feel like I was forced out of my playing career very early, um, mostly because I didn't have, um, maybe I was scared at the time, but also I didn't have uh, like parents that could financially support me and maybe I should have trusted the universe and trusted and kind of stayed with it. Um, but I think unless you had like a family that was able to support you financially kind of through this time of playing, and I commend so many of my teammates and um, you know, that are still playing. Like I, there's just so many of them and some of them ultimately were kind of made that full national team pool. So I think got that support from, uh, through us soccer. So we're able to kind of stay with it, you know, but, but that was so hard for me. I feel like incredibly, incredibly hard from a mental perspective. So I went into coaching kind of as a transition to see if I could go back to playing when the WPS launched and the next iteration of the women's pro league launched, but it was really hard for me to give up you know, that full-time job and salary. So I stayed in coaching for a long time, but I wasn't a great coach, I will say, um, because I was, I was bitter. I was angry. I was like, you know, I, I was probably depressed in so many ways because I was watching everybody else play. And yet in my heart, like deep down, that was all I wanted to do. So I think, you know, I think my kind of journey through the game, um, you know, working in different capacities, um, you know, I think, that has really inspired me to launch Atta Football because I think I also have my own journey in mind and, you know, having fallen short of like probably realizing what I think was my potential as a player. Um, you know, has totally inspired like every step of my journey, whether it's the collegiate coaching and then knowing that that wasn't right. Maybe it was a little bit too painful and too close um, at the time. I feel like I could go back to coaching and love it now, but I think it was hard for me mentally um, to be in that environment um, you know, so I think, I think one of my journey and experiences, like my own pers personal, like, um, kind of anguish has definitely, um, inspired me to launch out to football alongside Hannah Brown and, and my co-founder. Um, you know, and then I think, I think you always take, I, I think when you're an athlete, you know, you're very much trained to work as a team. How do you support each other? How do you partner? How do you get the best out of your teammates? Um, you know, sometimes there's egos involved, but overall, like working in that team environment, I think is so, you learn these lessons that, you know, maybe you don't realize uh, you're using, like you said, probably, but now you kind of are a little bit more conscious to it and how you use your like playing day and experience on the team and working together to reach a common goal and how to solve a problem, how to rise to the occasion and pressure situation, how to deal with adversity when things aren't going your way and the way you want it to go. Um, whether you're on the bench or you've suffered an injury 
or whatever it might be. And how do you persevere? And I think so much of what I've learned as an athlete, I've applied to anything I've done in my life, um, in any role I've had. Um, and I think my personal journey and frustrations and own anguish has, has certainly inspired like this company and wanting to do this. Um, you know, with what we're building on the kind of on the player side and the grassroots side and wanting them to kind of finally feel like they have role models and access to the game like they never had. I never had female role models. Um, I do think that you don't need to have just female because you're a female. Like, you know, Michael Jordan was my was my person, <laughs> um, you know, but but I think it's important to see both. And I think as an aspiring young, aspiring female player, there wasn't really anything beyond the U.S. Women's National Team, and that was only for 18 players. And kind of relying on that as your only your North Star isn't a sustainable model for the long-term growth of women's pro soccer. Um, and I think, like you know, I think in order for the women's game to succeed, there's got to be more kind of attention and focus on the women's club game, like there is on the men's side, um, because ultimately you can't you can't sustain like a pro sport with just relying on a national team that competes every two or four years, depending on what country you're from. Right. And I think some people don't, don't recognize that always. Um, but it's so important to, to me to push the club game. I think for the long term, like, you know, success of, of women's, you know, pro soccer or football. Both work. Soccer, <laughs> I know, football. I'm like, I always say football, but like, I know I'm talking to U.S. audience, so I was like <laughs> conscious of it. I know we have a few U.K. listeners. I just looked at our uh, Spotify. Oh, good. Okay. Else <laughs> I, I think it's it's really interesting, you know, to hear the the player impact onto, you know, now professional life because I'm saying this anecdotally, but I know factually just from the one percent of one percent that goes on to play pro that the story that you just said is is more common than the player who does crack into the pro squad, the national team. And, you know, it does, I mean, you know, I guess quickly, like on, on my end, you would appreciate this from playing in college. I had three coaches in four years playing in college, which was so many things, yeah. ways of, of mind boggling. And I actually, uh, my senior year after being a sort of regular was at the third new coach and um, I was not really part of the plan. And that was the last year that I had, but I also felt it was the best. I, you know, I was just starting to peak on a playing perspective and I was training that much better. But then of course the NCAA says you had your four years and you're done. And yeah. you know, I was not about to play even at a pro level that would make even a, you know, a paltry wage, Never mind, you know, playing semi-pro or anything so that was that really but um that did that two months of space where i had to say to myself i've got two months here and i can pout about it or just train hard and and that you know is kind of something that i think carries with you know in into everything going forward so um, i think that's really interesting that, that you share that many people probably in who knows what field are, are not in their head you know that, that they're doing something not even soccer related now but um Maybe we can just wrap up quick on, on you mentioned the club game. And I think I've said this a lot. And even before, you know, we started partnering on club soccer stuff, you know, pro club, um, the club game for the women's soccer, for women's soccer going forward is so important for that regular development and not just here's a world cup. Um, all of the things we've talked about here are part of growing that, you know, you were previously with ICC and growing, you know, the, I think there was an opportunity there that I think 
probably you all saw, you can speak to that better, but there's no women's club world cup still. We've heard about it from FIFA for longer than I would have liked without <laughs> seeing one. Um, and that was, you know, it's only a four team tournament the first couple times so far, but is maybe a, a basis to it. You know, I'd like to see some version of that sort of blown out, whether that's FIFA sponsored or, or whatever, but what, what would you, you know, forget, forget the media side and our own like personal business, although maybe it inter, intertwines, but you know, what would you like to see, in women's club professional soccer, you know, whether it is that sort of global tournament or, or something else in terms of um, the next, you know, the near future? Yeah, I think for me, like, I want to see, like, when we can have fans back in the stadiums, like, for, I speak specifically with the NWSL. Now, we don't work with NWSL at the moment. I uh, would love to support them in any, any capacity we can because um, I'm a big fan of the league. But I'd love to see those stadiums filled, you know. Like, I'd love to see that local fan engagement and for them to start to build that audience. Um, and this goes across the board with any league on the women's side. Um you know, that, that to me is so important, I think is the next progression. Um, you know, when we, when we worked with women's ICC, um, you know, we had four of the best women's pro clubs in the world, like competing in this amazing tournament. I think that platform's phenomenal, should continue, whether that's with women's ICC or if FIFA ultimately decide to do it. Um, to me, that was such an incredible platform, global platform for the best clubs to come together. And it was so exciting. We got so many great comments and feedback back from that uh, tournament that the Lyon North Carolina Courage matchup was like the best women's pro um, soccer match that people had ever seen because of the quality on the field, the two different styles, but they were so good. The both teams are so good. Um, you know, I love that. You know, I love that. But there was it wasn't easy to get fans in that stadium for, you know, that tournament. And to me, that's disappointing because you have the best of the best, the world's biggest stars. Um, so I think like anybody that's a women's football fan or um, wants to be like support your local team, whether that's in the U S or in any sort of international market, support them, go to their matches when they can watch them on TV. The quality is phenomenal, you know, and, and I can say really now it's, it's really coming along because of the investment in recent years, like at the grassroots level, you know, not only in the U S but globally. Um, I just would, I would love to see like the fandom grow and people in the stadiums and pack stadiums when we can actually go back to that and we're out of COVID. Um, you know, that to me is like, is a big one. And, you know, hopefully there continues to be, you know, global kind of tournaments like the women's ICC that continues because I think that's an incredible platform. And um, there's, there's, you know, there's parity amongst some of these clubs like in Europe and in the NWSL. So I think that is so, so cool, which I don't know that you see um, necessarily on the men's side. So I think it makes it a very unique um, competition and a really exciting one as well. Well, the FAWSL versus NWSL, which league is the best in the world argument, I have only seen heat up over the last year or so as um, some, <laughs> some talent has gone into England. So maybe maybe if we can get a competition like that, it might it might help toward the, the argument, although I'm sure we'll get the one league's in an off season and one's in their in form and who knows what, yeah. you know, excuses. But uh, the, the, it was fun to watch Leon Courage in particular, so... Um, yeah, hopefully we can, we can see some more. So, um, well, Esmeralda Negron, I, I appreciate you coming on Atlanta media at the football.com. Uh, if you're listening, you know, this, this weekend, we've got games 
that, that folks can watch from England and France um, that I, I know, you know, are worth, are worth their, your time and, and basically every weekend. So atafootball.com will have the updated schedule every week is, is probably the best way to, to keep tabs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you go to atafootball.com, we'll have kind of our license matches and where to watch. We'll include all the details. Um, we happen to be live uh, this weekend with the WSL on Sunday, two matches. Um, live free access on atafootball.com um, and also access on nbcsports.com as well. So, um, yeah, incredibly excited. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully all the fans out there, you know, can, can benefit from having access and um, it's all free as well. So that, that, that's also an added benefit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Esmeralda. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Kicking Back, a podcast by The Equalizer. If you like what you heard, and we certainly hope you did, please go ahead and rate and review this pod. The more you do that, the easier it is for other people to discover this show and hear compelling stories from some of the most interesting people in women's soccer. Keep an eye out for our next episode when we kick it with our latest guest. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.